appreciate so much those men and their families and others who have taken such a large, large role and spent so much time working with our children, our youth especially, and uh, what a blessing it is to uh, be able to know these amazing young people and to be able to share in the joy of their families and of their graduation. I know this will, I I like to say, uh, you may have other church homes, graduates, but this will always be your home church. And we want you to know that. And we're sending you out with a great deal of confidence and a great deal of prayer and a great deal of gratitude. But we send you out into a difficult world. So how can we have hope in this seemingly hopeless time? I want to answer that question today in this message. And we begin by looking at this great passage in 1 Peter 3 that speaks of hope in a seemingly hopeless time and speaks of a readiness, not just to share that you have that hope, but a readiness to share why you have that hope. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? I think that's a really interesting question. I don't know if Peter means it to be rhetorical, and the answer is no one. Um, But I think he acknowledges that, well... Even if you are eager to do good, there are people out there that will harm you. And some that do that on purpose. And Jesus would even say some that harm you because of your faith and trust and goodness that you get from me. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But, verse 14, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. We remember the great beatitudes in Matthew 4 that kind of turn blessing upside down according to the world's standards. The world's standards is you are blessed if your life is going well the way the world sees it. Jesus says, no, you're blessed even when it's not. And sometimes especially when it's not, because that's when my presence and my blessing can clearly be seen. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. See quotes from the Old Testament. But in your hearts, verse 15, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. It's interesting that the Apostle Peter writing to people who were suffering intense persecution, who were on the bottom of the social scale, who were outcasts, who were exiles, actually, living away from their homeland because of persecution. Peter assumes that they have hope. Peter assumes that people will see that they live with hope. 
And Peter acknowledges that it won't happen all the time, but every once in a while, someone may even ask you, why? Why do you have hope? How? How can you have hope in such a hopeless time? Of course, seeing these young adults and the others, others that are graduating with college and postgraduate degrees, that's one of the big reasons why we have hope. Because we know that they've received a lot of love and a lot of prayer and a lot of learning through their association with their church family here and their family members at home as well. But this morning, I want us to look at several things that answer this question. How can you have hope in a seemingly hopeless time? Because I believe we can, I believe we must, and I believe we do, we do have hope. And I think that people will be able to see that And they will wonder why and how, because they know us well enough to know that our lives aren't going any better than theirs are, (laughs) and sometimes worse. And yet, they see something in us that maybe they don't even see in themselves, hope. So I want us to share some things today, and you have a lot of scriptures that you have there, and we won't turn to them, but we'll end coming back to this passage in 1 Peter Chapter 3, how can we have hope in this seemingly hopeless time? What is a reason that we have to hope? First of all, our physical blessings, our physical blessings. And you may say, Bill, I'm I'm not sure about this one because my physical blessings just ain't quite there. (laughs) I don't have good health. I don't have a lot of money in the bank. I have a lot of things physically that aren't quite what I want, and that is the key, right? What I want. Our physical blessings relate to our needs. Jesus promised in Matthew 6 in that Sermon on the Mount that we would have the things that we need. That just like God takes care of the birds and the flowers, he'll take care of us. Because we're so much more valuable to him than they are. And that if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, as we'll say later, the things that we need, we'll we'll have. Maybe not the things that we want, maybe not the things that we think we need, but the things that he knows we need, we'll have. Proverbs 30 is an interesting passage because it shares a prayer where the, the wise man in Proverbs says, Lord, don't let me have too much or too little. Because if I have too much, I'm going to trust in myself, in my job, in my bank account, in my abilities, rather than in you. And if I, if I don't have enough, then I might be tempted to steal or to do something else. Paul tells Timothy to teach others there in Ephesus that they, they need to trust in God, not in personal physical wealth. How do I know if I'm doing that or not, Bill? Well, we do what Paul tells Timothy to tell them to do, what Paul tells the Corinthians to do, and that is be willing to give, be willing to share, be generous. We have lots of, of physical blessings, and, and we're reminded that God has said, you will have what you need. 
And so we can have hope. But what about our emotional blessings? We have a lot of emotional blessings as well that give us a reason to hope. And we begin with relationships. This summer on Sunday mornings, I'm going to be sharing in the sermon series a a sermon entitled Jesus and Blank. (laughs) And that is actually the title because we're going to look at several different interactions that Jesus had with other people during his life that helps us to understand the kind of relationship that we can have with Jesus and that he wants to have with us and that we can have with each other. Because the relationships that we have with family and friends, that's a part of our emotional blessings. It helps us get through this world, even the difficulties. As Kelly and and Ken and Chad have shared, this, this life sometimes gets away from us. And yet at the same time, we are there for each other. And Jesus has been there for us. Relationships are one of our great emotional blessings. Another one is purpose. I think having a purpose is an emotional blessing. And our purpose is to glorify God. That is our ultimate purpose. In 1 Corinthians 10 and in Colossians 3 are two very similar passages that say, whatever you do, whatever you say, everything that you are about is done to honor and glorify God. Again, Jesus saying, seek first his kingdom, telling us that we should be servants and that in being servants, We follow his example and we glorify God. As we've seen in our recent Romans series in chapter 12, we we give ourselves, our lives, our bodies to honor and to glorify God, being living sacrifices. Having a clear purpose in life to glorify God puts everything else together. And when we lose that purpose, then we lose that foundation And our lives are a little bit helter-skelter. Our lives are a little bit chaotic. But when we're living to glorify and honor God, then there's going to be ebbs and flows and goods and bads, but we're going to see that consistent desire to serve and follow God and to live obediently to him, and we're going to see his presence in our lives. Our emotional blessings, relationships with family and friends, our purpose to glorify God, but then also our mission. And our mission is to spread the gospel. With words, without words, through our lives, first of all, through our example, but as we have the opportunity, just as Peter said, to be able to tell people, here's what I believe. Here's, Here's why I have hope. It's not because of anything about me but it's because of everything about Jesus. Jesus himself said that was his mission, to seek and to save the lost in Luke 19. And he gives us that great commission in Matthew 28 and Acts chapter one, to go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything he's commanded us and the promise to be with us through his Holy Spirit to be witnesses, first right where we are and then in the surrounding areas and then to the ends of the earth. As he told those in Acts chapter one, 
We proclaim him, Colossians 1 says. We proclaim him. That's our mission. To help others and to present them perfect in Christ. Peter talks in 1 Peter 2 about our being chosen and chosen to give honor and glory to God and to share his message, to announce this light throughout a dark, hopeless world. We're ready to share with others. Not just that we have hope, but why? And it's because of Jesus. We have reason to hope. Our physical blessings, our emotional blessings, but of course, and especially, our spiritual blessings. The others sometimes may not be seen as well, but our spiritual blessings are always there. Whether we acknowledge them or not, whether we sense them or not, our spiritual blessings give us a reason to hope. First of all, the scripture, this word of God, graduates that Bible that you got to add to your collection that will continue to grow through the years. Scripture is a great spiritual blessing. Jesus himself said, my word will abide forever. The word of God will abide forever. To the Jews who believed him, he said in John 8, you have to hold to my teaching. Then you'll be my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus continues and throughout the message in the gospel of John and in the rest of the gospels and throughout scripture, faith comes by hearing the message of Christ, Romans ten seventeen says. And Paul and Peter both affirm the great sense of scriptural authority, that it is inspired of God, that it is God-breathed, that it is authoritative and useful, and that with the inspired scripture, We have everything that we need to do every kind of good work in this world that God calls us to do. Our great spiritual blessing is the Bible, the word of God, the scripture. Another great spiritual blessing is the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the spirit on Sunday mornings in our class in the Family Life Center. And again, that great commission is based in the fact that Jesus will be present with us as we seek to carry that out. I will be with you always to the very end of the earth. He had just spent a lot of time telling them, I'm about to be taken away from you. But as he says in John 14 and the chapters that follow, I will not leave you as orphans. I will continue my presence with you. But that presence will be through the Holy Spirit, that advocate, that comforter, that counselor, that helper, that one part of God that continues the presence of God in our lives. We receive that spirit when we are baptized into Christ. Peter says in Acts chapter 2, that we repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're not in this alone. We're not in this by ourselves. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We are not our own. We belong to God. He tells the Corinthians, and that passages, those passages in 2 Corinthians 1 and 2 Corinthians 5 and Ephesians 1 speak of that special gift of the Spirit that dwells within us, that indwelling presence of God, so that we know that we are not alone. 
The purpose behind that Holy Spirit is to make us spiritual, to help us to commit ourselves to doing the will of God, Romans 8 says, Galatians 5 says, to commit to living lives that are showing and demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit that our kids have learned and sung about since they were little at this church. Our spiritual blessings also include these last two that maybe are a little bit more remembered typically, and that is salvation. The blessing of forgiveness, the blessing that our sins have been washed away. As John 3 says, Jesus telling Nicodemus to be born of water in the spirit, Mark 16's version of the Great Commission, to believe and be baptized. All of these other passages, the ones that we've seen in Romans, that talk about how Jesus is that great sacrifice, how his blood saves us from our sins. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all of our sins, enables us to have that salvation as Chad shared as we gathered around the table without that blood that was shed so cruelly on the cross for us we would not have hope. But because that sacrifice was made, because that life was given, we have hope. We have hope. So many passages of scripture under this topic on your outline, especially those from the book of Acts that answer that question, what do I do to get this? What must I do to be saved? Asked and answered. We see example after example of those who are taught to believe in Jesus Christ, to turn away from their lives of sin, that's repent, to confess that faith before others and to be baptized in the name of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. We see that time and again in the book of Acts and we have that confidence and assurance because our salvation is not based on ourselves, it's based on our God. It's the righteousness of God that comes by faith. Finally, the last of our spiritual blessings I'll mention today. Others could be on this list, but it is the church. It is the church. And as important as all of these are, I want to especially stress this one. You know, these last 15 or 16 months have been hard. The whole nature and purpose of the church is to be together, to encourage one another together. We can read about Jesus and God and and salvation in the scripture. We can do that at, at home by ourselves. We can even sing songs, maybe not well, but we can sing songs at home by ourselves. We can offer prayers and do at home by ourselves. We can observe that Lord's Supper by ourselves. We can give our contribution online. (laughs) And we do all of those things. But the significance of what we're doing right now, the significance of the church is that we do them together. We do them together. And when we do them together, we encourage each other as we're doing things we could do alone, but we choose 
not to. And there are two reasons why we choose not to. One is because we need the encouragement from others. And the second reason, of course, is they need the encouragement we can offer. And that's why God created the church. He could have made it so that we live this life on our own and don't have interactions with others. But he realized that would be too hard. It's hard enough as it is. These great passages of scripture, Jesus says in Matthew 16, I will build my church on the fact that he is the son of God. That great beginning of the church in Acts chapter two, right after those 3,000 were baptized, they began meeting together face-to-face, interacting with each other, helping each other, providing for each other's needs. Why? Because that's the purpose of the church, to be together, to help each other, to give each other hope, to remind each other we have a reason to hope. Paul speaks to the church about the importance of mutual encouragement as he talks about the worship assembly in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14. And then the writer of the book of Hebrews says, we are to be encouraging each other every day in chapter three and in chapter 10 through the worship assemblies, just like we're doing right now. Don't neglect meeting together. Come, be here together. Why, Paul, or or asking the writer of the book of Hebrews, why? Don't know if it was Paul or not. Why? Because this is why we don't forsake. This is why we don't neglect. This is why we don't stop coming to church. Because we need that encouragement. And there are others who need it from us. It's not so that we can get a check off the list. It's not because we feel like that God is gonna strike us dead with lightning if we're not here when we could be. It's because we need this. We need this. And because others need it too. And it's one of our greatest spiritual blessings. The encouragement we receive from each other as a part of God's church and specifically as a part of this church. The West Irwin Church family, as I said, our young people, some of them are going to be around here. Some of them are going to go on, those who have graduated. But they will always have this as their home church. And you will always be in our hearts and you will always have a place to go. Always. Always. So how can we have hope in this seemingly hopeless time? Because we have great physical blessings, because we have great emotional blessings, because we have great spiritual blessings. As we close today, God has given us the reason to hope. And that's what we've said from the very first song today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking and shifting sand. It won't help. 
God has given us the reason to hope, and that reason is Jesus. Chad shared it in John 1, 29. John the Baptist pointing to Jesus and saying, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John would go on to write at the Apostle John in chapter 3, verse 16, how God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus, his one and only Son, that if we believe in him, we won't perish, we won't die, but that we will have eternal life. A passage of scripture I've shared with our graduates, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In him, not in ourselves. And then we go back to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Not any person, not any church, not any elder, not any preacher, In our hearts, we revere Christ as Lord. Why? Because that's where our hope lies. He is the reason, the reason to hope. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Doing this with the right attitude, gentleness, respect, consideration, love. But do, doing that. Living with hope, first of all, and then being ready when people ask, how can you have hope in such a hopeless time? Young people, you know the answer to that because it's the safe answer. It's the answer that you knew to share in our Bible classes as you were growing up. You knew it. If the teacher asks a question and you're not sure what the answer is, what do you say? Jesus. (laughs) That's what you say. And that's right. That is the right answer. Because Jesus is the reason that we have hope. I hope young people who are graduating and all of us today can remember we can live hopeful lives. We can be willing to share the reason for that hope. And here's what we need to do on an everyday bless, uh, everyday uh, regiment. Remember these blessings, these physical blessings, these emotional blessings, these spiritual blessings. And we can count our blessings every day. We can name them one by one. Because when we do, we remember and we acknowledge what God has done. This morning, if you need to be closer to that God who loves you so much, closer to that Jesus who is the reason we have hope, come as we stand, sing this great song today.